Life shouldn't be neat and tidy. If your life feels challenging, sometimes you're not doing it wrong. It's the belief that you should always know what you're doing. Your life should feel easy and smooth sailing all the time that keeps you in suffering. Welcome. I'm Krista O'Reilly Davi Degee, founder of alifeinprogress.ca and rebrandingmiddleage.com. I'm a writer, grief and trauma-informed mind-body coach and joyful living educator. I'm also a, a mom of three creative humans, a life partner of 30 years. And my work is for freedom seekers, truth tellers, and stubborn questioners, highly sensitive souls, slow movers, and non-hustlers, the anxious, grieving, messy, and healing, reforming people pleasers, perfectionists, performers, and peacekeepers, and brave, weary, curious humans ready to quiet the conditioning and noise to reclaim freedom, wholeness, and joy. So I'm a recovering perfectionist. And if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I am an Enneagram one. I had to learn how, through a lot of wrestling, grappling, and struggling, and hard work over the years, how to make peace with the messiness of life, with the, the messiness of self, my, my own imperfection, the messiness of home and family, in order to find a pathway to joy. Honestly, back then, I wouldn't have even um, worried about joy, <laughs> contentment, peace, Mm, yeah, some calm inside of myself would have been all I really wanted. So I, I raised three creative kids. That's a values aligned choice. I wanted my home to feel inspiring and creative. And all three of my kids are artists in their own right. But if you're raising creative humans, you know that it means craft supplies, glitter, projects everywhere. And I had to learn how to make literal peace or peace with literal mess in the home in order to find some internal peace. I, I learned how to close my kid's bedroom door and not control their personal environment. I had to learn how to leave the laundry in the basket waiting to be folded and some dishes in the sink to begin writing and doing my own work. I also, once upon a time, stopped reading magazines like home and decorating magazines, um, watching home reno type shows, reading books, even about homeschooling that presented this sort of fairy tale image of life. Um, so I, I had to quiet all of this external noise in order to love the life in front of me, to stop wishing it away, thinking there was something wrong when really nothing was wrong. Um, stop comparing my very real, messy, in-progress, beautiful life to some imaginary ideal. So 
this is one of my favorite conversations. I may say this a lot because clearly I'm only talking about things that actually matter to me. But today, what I hope is that I'm able to plant a seed or or I'll offer you the seed and you can decide if you want to plant that seed and water it. A new seed of joyful possibility in your life. Now, some of you may not get what I'm talking about today, but others of you, you're there right now. You're there struggling with the crumbs on the counter. You're there in in a season of life where the kids are fighting and marriage is hard and finances are tight. And somehow you interpret that as you're doing something wrong. You're there wondering if you'll ever figure out how to be kinder to yourself and love yourself. Because the truth is, yep, you are messy and imperfect and in progress. And guess what? Even if you resolve every single question and and concern you have today, if you're awake and breathing and choosing growth and and curiosity, tomorrow's just going to bring new challenges. And that isn't a bad thing. That is a good thing. It means you are awake and choosing, you know, a path of growth and learning. So let's cycle through the self-awareness, self-compassion, and perfect action. So making peace with paradox is one of the greatest gifts in the world. And what I mean by that is Learning how to hold two seemingly contradictory um, truths or realities at once. It's the rea- it is the truth that two things can be true at once. We don't have to choose. It's not either or, it's both and. Learning this not only on a, an intellectual level, but bringing it deeper into our embodied experience, like practicing it, building new muscle memory and instinct, this is life-changing. It's not something that ends like most good things. It's something that we continue. You know, we just, we practice it forever and ever, but it gets easier and easier. It becomes more natural and organic. So, This is that new seed of joyful and hopeful possibility that if you choose to plant it and water it, it can change your life. It doesn't even matter who you are, what the circumstances of your life are, um, whether or not you you know that your life is amazing and wonderful or you feel in despair. This can change your life. One important way of practicing paradox that has been significant for myself is embracing and making peace with the truth that joy and pain, beauty and suffering coexist in a brave and beautiful, meaningful life. It isn't one or the other. They, joy and pain coexist. 
In fact, I believe that they're old friends. They walk hand in hand. We, 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 joy and pain are uncomfortable for people. They're both vulnerable. We don't, they, they're uncomfortable, interestingly. Um, and, and rather than even allow joy or turn towards joy or consider that joy could be a possibility for us, we often feel more comfortable staying in a place of grief or pain. It's a tricky conversation that isn't offered as judgment. But the research shows us that, that joy is such a deeply uncomfortable, vulnerable emotion that will choose what feels safer and more comfortable. So anger, for instance, might be more comfortable than certain other emotions or experiences. The reality is all of these things exist at once. None of them are bad. But depending on whose voices we're listening to, we often have the story, the root story, that only comfortable emotions are good. You know, so ease, calm, happiness, whatever. Like those are good, right? And grief, anger, fear, those are bad. But the reality is they're all human. Okay, that's a conversation for another time, I think. So learning how to practice paradox, this both and, will change or has the potential to change your experience of life, your life satisfaction, your mind, body health, your the quality of your relationships, etc., um, just off the top of my head, I'm going to see if I can come up with a couple other example or a couple examples. So let's talk about marriage or a relationship with one of your kiddos. Relationships that are important, they require work. There's harder seasons and lighter seasons. There's, but there's going to be a need at some point for boundary setting, for brave conversations, for repair. Um, so if we're in the thick of a hard season with somebody that we really love, it can feel really painful. And all we might be able to see in the moment is the pain, the fear, the anger, the grief, whatever. And what a practice of paradox does is it creates this little space inside of us where something else can live. So, when we learn to move away from all or nothing thinking, this relationship is all pain right now. And we open the door, we just crack that door open to for a tiny sliver of something else, like, and also, we love each other. And also, I see the beauty in them. And also, um, I remember that conflict can actually lead to positive places if we if we hold on our experience changes and even if that other is only the size of a golf ball or an orange at the start what happens is it might begin to grow so when our whole body was filled with pain or grief or anger yesterday Today, we might notice that that 
orange has expanded to the size of a basketball. And then slowly it starts taking over more of us. And, and little by little with practice, we, we, again, we do this more easily and organically, and we start to be able to live in this ebb and flow or this duality with more comfort. So we're talking here about self-awareness. So the inv- I, I invite you to consider, could you practice this? Are you practicing this? Can you think of an example in your life right now where there is a measure of pain, conflict, uncertainty, and, and just try this on for size? What, what could that sound like or feel like? How might you respond to the situation differently if you practice this new possibility, this both and possibility? I invite you also to think about your current patterns of numbing, running, or coping. We all have them. Again, in my work, I will repeat this over and over again. Being humans in progress is not an issue. It is not a problem. The problem is shame and judgment around being a human in progress. That's what causes the, the, the real problem because it keeps us stuck. It keeps us, or and or worse, it keeps us spiraling and isolated. So can you name with honesty and clarity your current coping patterns? You know, for some of us, it's wine, depending on your life stage or, you know, your who you are. Could be video games, it could be shopping, it could be social media. Um, you know, it could be binge eating, it could be not eating, it could be um bottling things and then exploding with rage, it could be all sorts of things. But until we acknowledge something, we cannot carve a new path forward. So you don't have to change anything. But can you acknowledge your current patterns? And then can you see a connection or a relationship between where where there is this belief or like sort of this all or nothing belief at play in your life and how that requires this coping mechanism for soothing. Because if we're all pain, it's really hard to function. If we, yeah, I don't want to go down that road because I'm not prepared for it, but I um, perhaps we'll talk about it more down the road. So, so often I'm not, I'm not suggesting I'm a little bit off, off script here. So Hopefully I won't regret this, but I'm not suggesting that simply learning how to practice paradox means that magically your your coping mechanisms are going to disappear. That's not at all what I'm saying. Um, I think I might have spoken to this before, but in order to release coping mechanisms, we have to feel safe. Um, There's like, we need a sense of safety, and then we need to also have a new thing to bring in. So that could be a new seat of thought, a new practice, a new soothing technique, whatever. 
But right now, I'm not asking you to even think about letting go or whether or not this is a thing you want to let go of. I'm saying, can you see a connection between your current beliefs around or rooted in all or nothing thinking that lead to this need to numb, run, cope, soothe, whatever. Okay, I'm going to move on. So you shouldn't, shouldn't be perfect. You won't, you can't be, you won't be, you shouldn't be. You may hold yourself to that standard. Others may hold you to that standard. You may wish that you could be. But again, as long as you're breathing, life is going to bring new challenges your way. Um, if you're a curious human, you're going to essentially, you're going to choose consciously or not to say yes to new adventures and new learning curves in your life. You can do all the work in the world to heal and take good care of yourself and and show up in integrity, and still, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to stumble, make mistakes, say the wrong thing, bump up against a boundary, and all of that is just good information, most often anyways, because it's it's in doing those things, making a mistake, saying something that we think, ah, next time I could do that differently, meeting a, an, um, a non-existent or a leaky boundary. That's the information we need to know, oh, hey, there's something here that needs attention. Like, it's all part of growth. And I recognize that on the one hand, if you're listening to this, you might just think, yeah, that's like obvious. You're not telling me anything new. But are you living it? Are you actually walking this out? Or when you make a mistake, do you beat yourself up? And honestly, if your family makes a mistake, do you get really angry and frustrated and resentful with them? Or a friend or a boss or coworker or a driver on the street? We find our way in action, not before. So that means that as, again, as long as you're breathing, as long as you're saying yes to life, you're going to learn how to do something today, and then you're going to meet a new challenge tomorrow. You're always going to be in progress, practicing, becoming a beginner all over again. Unless you decide that you're going to try your best to live in a bubble, you can't really do that. But that's sometimes what our coping mechanisms are. Um, whether for a season or a lifetime, sometimes we try to armor up and insulate ourselves against pain and discomfort and and more things that just feed the story inside of us that we're not good enough or whatever. Um, so, but if you're saying yes to life, you want to keep thriving and growing, there is no other way. So, we're still on the self-awareness part here. And a, a final question or invitation for you is to just notice whose voices you're listening to. And 
who are you comparing yourself to? So I shared earlier that there was a time that I realized I need to stop reading these magazines, watching these shows. I turned off TV satellite or whatever. Um, I stopped reading a certain type of book. I stopped watching rom-coms because of the fairy tale version of, um, you know, romance and relationship that they presented. And I was just like, ugh. I don't want any of this in my life anymore because what I really realized is the only problem in my life was the comparison, was the thinking that somehow my life is wrong because it's not that. But when I released that, I realized we're happy. We're good here. We're living our values. Like, yeah, it's messy and imperfect and all the things I've already said 80 times, but, but it's good. It's what we chose. So who and what are you comparing yourself to? Or where is the noise coming from? And could you quiet some of that noise? Social media, movies, certain people that you spend time with that aren't life-giving. Just consider that. Could you either, you know, shut down altogether or move certain people or activities or, or or sources of information out further in your circle of impact. So let's let's shift gears just slightly here. Um, railing against reality keeps us stuck in suffering. Railing against reality keeps us stuck in suffering. In the introduction, I shared, you know, just very quickly about, you know, in my own life, like having to learn how to make peace with the mess inside of me that, or just my own, you know, imperfection and learning that, okay, I can be imperfect and also beautiful and gifted and lovable at once at both ends but learning how to love the life in front of me. It's sometimes it's like we wish our lives away, not only in the really, really darkest and hardest seasons, but on the day-to-day when we're just always distracted and rushing and complaining or deciding that, one argument means the whole day was bad or, um, you know, like grumbling about the kids and, and in a way of waiting, you know, saying whether or not you really believe this or not, like thinking, saying that, you know, you're just always waiting for the next stage of development for them because it'll be easier then, something like that. But it's really easy for us to wish a life away. And over decades of work and hard life experiences, especially burying people I love. um, But I think it really started when my mom died about 20, 21 years ago. She died at 53 from cancer, left lots of kids behind my little bro- youngest brother and sister were 10 and 12 like just and and it was then that i committed to this idea or practice of receiving each day as a gift 
And so, so railing against reality keeps us stuck in ciphering and it can, in, in essence, it can make us want like bypass our lives. But this day, like this conversation, you know, this morning coffee, this commute to work, this brave conversation with a friend, it's, this is your real life. And well, why would we bypass, right? Like, why would we, well, we want to, we want to do, we want to avoid and bypass and jump ahead because it's hard here. It's uncomfortable. We don't always know how to do things. And maybe it's not what we signed up for. But the more that we can face the truth of what is head on, even the really, really hard parts, and learn how to practice both and in this circumstance, in each circumstance, the more we're able to love the life we're in and also, where necessary, be clear or or have clarity of thought around how to proceed. When we make peace with messiness, we make space for joy. When we make peace with the reality in front of us, we crack the door open to, to joy. And And again, if joy isn't your aim in this moment, maybe replace that with something else. You make make place, um, space for peace, for example. We always get to choose our response. We don't control so much of life. So much. Can't control other people. Can't control the wildfires. We can't control the tsunamis. We can't control the school shooting. In all of this, I'm not saying that there aren't things at the grassroots level or policy level that can't improve certain things that are happening in the world. But I'm talking about you right now as a human. Right now in this moment, You don't control those things. You don't control the person who cuts you off in traffic. Um, And that's one of the reasons also that we turn to those coping mechanisms, right? We, We learn how to suppress, run, numb, because it's really scary and hard. When we do not have, there's so much that we can't control. We can't promise our kids that tomorrow will be easy. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We can do our best, but that doesn't mean we control it. But we can always choose our response. And there is true power and agency there in that choice. I don't have it in front of me, but you'll see it on my the front page of a life in progress.ca, a Viktor Frankl quote. 
Um, Viktor Frankl was um, is a was a Holocaust survivor. He, I believe, was an Austrian. I might have that wrong, but a psychiatrist. He wrote amazing works after his experience of survival and trauma. And this one quote is just so powerful. I turn to it again and again and again, because if he can do this, then I can. He talks about that, that between impulse and response, there's a space. And in that space um, lies our power and freedom, something like that, um, which is to choose our response. Totally not. I didn't say that correctly, but go to my website. Maybe I'll find it and put it in the show notes. Really empowering to recognize that one of the ways. So, so again, I'm talking about instead of railing against reality, fighting what is, turn towards it, name it, acknowledge it. And then in that space, you get to choose your response. Hard, scary, uncomfortable things happen. You don't control it all. It doesn't mean you're doing life wrong. It doesn't mean you caused it. It doesn't mean, you know, because again, like this is a total side note, but there is some teaching out there that makes you feel like it's your fault. A lack of faith caused your child's suffering and death or a soul contract caused it, whatever. You, but this truth I'm speaking to you right now, wherever you are, whether it's just something that's not, you know, nobody's dying in front of you, but there's a, a situation in your life that just is causing you a lot of anxiety and rumination and distraction. You get to pause, name what is, acknowledge your feelings around it, acknowledge all of it, and then choose your response. Or maybe you are in a situation where somebody you love is dying. You're trying to keep a kid alive. I've been there. I have walked through the fire. So I'm talking about stuff here that now I don't like, I know what it means to make peace with messiness, to make space for joy. It's an ongoing work, but it's a choice I make. You know, in the beginning, I would make it breath by breath. And today I make it day by day. Okay, um, and I think I didn't finish my thought, but if you are in that really incredibly hard, scary situation, acknowledge what is. Name it. You're allowed to have feelings. None of them are wrong. Ask for help. And then you get to choose your response. And by the way, asking for help is one way to choose our response in, in the thick of it. All right, so I'm almost wrapping up here, but I touched on this, but again, we're talking about self-compassion here. We're talking about life shouldn't feel neat and tidy and that we always get to choose our response. And one of the ways we do that is by making peace with the messiness to make space for joy. You also get to name and own all your feelings and your full experience. 
the more we shove down, avoid, or bypass, the more all of that emotion and energy just gets to simmer and bubble inside of us. And it will have an impact. It may explode. It may cause illness. It may just pull us out of our lives by, you know, that constant emotional pain or living in the past or worrying in the future. But it will take a toll. It doesn't go away. We, this is a work in and of itself. Practicing paradox is a work and this is a whole other work. Learning how to give ourselves permission to feel all the feelings, not just the ones that people approve of, not just the ones that feel safer, more comfortable. And of course, you do need to establish safety first, but you have permission to feel. You have permission to truth tell. And and then, and you can learn tools, tools of of establishing that safety and feeling regulated in the midst of the, you know, that the fear, the anger, the grief, and the joy, the curiosity, the awe. Other people may not approve of you. Culture may not support you well in this. So you get to choose your response by finding places and spaces where you are safe, where there is a a practice around boosting emotional intelligence and emotional literacy, where people are learning how to do this work and they're practicing together as with my brave and beautiful community where midlife women from different corners of the world gather. We do this together. You can learn how to name and process so that in some cases, these things will be released and make more space for for joy, for other possibilities. Um, In some cases, it takes longer to process. Okay, I'm I'm kind of wobbling or warbling here. And finally, as part of this work, Um, one of the things that can be hugely beneficial, and again, maybe we could call this a third work, though they're all intertwined, is learning how to befriend your inner critic or that voice of fear inside of you. That can really help you make peace with messiness to make space for joy. Because if your inner critic is vicious and constantly ripping you apart because you are less than perfect, Um, or the relationships in your life are just real relationships, um, or your home isn't constantly dust-free, or your work, you'll never put your work into the world because it's never good enough. Um, Learning how to turn towards, instead of suppressing, avoiding, running from, turning towards that critic and the voice of fear That is where we will begin to practice paradox, practice self-compassion, and learn some other ways of attending to the fear, pain, grief inside of us that leads towards perfectionism or trying to order our world with rigidity or those coping mechanisms 
this is where we can find a lot of peace and freedom. I'm hoping that was helpful. I'm, I'm just conscious of, you know, this whole podcast thing and trying to figure out how to map it out and not talk too long and stuff. I may be, I don't know, it feels a little bit awkward, but again, a work in progress, both and I'm excited to be here with you. And also I'm still very much learning and in progress. All right. So if any of this speaks to you, if you've got a loud inner critic or fear is really loud in your life, as it was for me, if you struggle with perfectionism, if you if you struggle with the truth that life is messy and hard um, or a voice of self-judgment around that, that tells you somehow you must have done it wrong. Something's wrong with you if your life isn't perfect and your kids argue and I don't know, you can't control everything. If you would like more freedom and joy and um, and permission in your body and your life, um, check out the Befriend Your Inner Credit Workshop. Um, there's early bird pricing right now, August 14th until August 22nd. The people on my email list always get that early bird pricing. It's 50% off right now. Jump on my email list. Um, and you'll get a coupon code, or um, you can sign up directly on my website right now as well. The workshop is September 6th. You'll get a recording. I work with people, again, different continents, um, different time zones, so the expectation isn't that everybody can join live. However, for people who can join live, there's a Q&A section, which is always lovely. Okay, so that's my primary invitation to you is come take a look at the Befriend Your Inner Critic workshop. Now, one thing that I do want to say about that also is that I take responsibility for my own healing so that I can leave a legacy of greater freedom and joy and health for my children um, and for the generations to come. And I believe that when we do this work of attending to that inner critic or because the inner critic, this, this work is applicable to even if you specifically don't have a vicious inner critic like I did, but it's again, that voice of self-doubt, self-judgment or fear, it still applies. It's the same work. When we do this work for ourselves, there's a ripple effect for the people within our circle of impact. Okay, so a thought around practical application or how you can practice imperfect action following this episode. My recommendation is that you simply grab a sticky note and pop that somewhere that you're going to just check in with it regularly, you know, your bathroom mirror, for instance, or in your agenda or something. And on that sticky note, write either life shouldn't, in quotation marks, be neat and tidy, or make peace with messiness to make space for joy. Just try this on for size. Put that on a sticky note, check in with it daily, or any time in the day when your fear 
inner critic or discomfort get really loud. And just for a few moments in that pause, consider, could you loosen your grip on needing life to be neat and tidy and orderly and in your control? And as you loosen your grip, you may notice that you can exhale. You may notice some tension release. Um, And you can just begin to pay attention to what shifts for you, even subtle shifts as you pause for a moment, you read the sticky note, you check in with it, and maybe you just, whether or not you think about how to take action from that place, or you just rehearse it and let whatever happens, happens or not. And then just notice if that serves you and notice that may lead you to a next step. Something I'm enjoying lately and always, but lately for sure, is time in nature. I'm lucky that I can go sit in my backyard and there's, you know, trees and grass and and stuff like that. There's lots of big trees where I live. I live an hour and a half from um, actually less than that into the national park, the, the Rocky Mountains. So I get to go spend time there. Um, I walk in a trail, a wooded trail with moss and trees. And um, so I have a lot of easy access to nature and not everybody does. I know this, but nature is soothing and restorative for all of us. The science is so clear on this. And if you don't live surrounded by trees and water, you can find a little patch of grass. You can find a park. You can um, bring nature inside your home, bird sounds, plants, um, you know, your pet also is part of this rock. I'm a rock, rock and stick collector. So I like things with pockets like my overalls because I can put rocks and pine cones in them <laughs> when I'm out for walks. You know, you can bring more of that into your home as well. But nature reminds me of paradox and this practice that we're talking about today, because I see that I don't live by the ocean, but when I can be by the ocean, it's so incredibly big and beautiful, but it also reminds me of my smallness and how I don't control everything. And the ocean, it can kill but it's also this incredible beauty. Um, the trees right now, amazingly beautiful and home to all of this different, you know, life forms. And then the wildfires have been raging through my country this summer, both and. When I, one of the favorite things in summer for me is um, the wildflowers. I hate when they spray the wildflowers, but um, when um, the non-invasive things that are allowed to grow along the roadside say, I just love it so much. It's so pretty. And But when you park the car and you get up close, what you also notice is the dirt, the little the scratchy things, the bugs, whatever. And again, it reminds me of the both and of life. And somehow just that taking a different view 
shifts our perspective. So when we're really up close in the scrap in the thorns and the dirt, we feel uncomfortable. And if we just step back a little bit, we're like, oh wow, now I can see the beauty again. Okay. So thanks for being here with me. Um, and I'm just going to leave you again with this thought to carry forward into the week. Make peace with messiness to make space for joy. Until next time.